Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. We're going to continue our series today on the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to continue uh, Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin with verse 18 this morning. But before we dive in, if you want to turn with me your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 there, we'll do just a quick review uh, because last week uh, it worked out that I, I did not end up preaching. So I just want to catch us up a little bit before I finish on here with chapter 8. Uh, So, in chapter 8, Paul continued his theme of what it means to be forgiven by justification uh, justification by faith alone, uh, not through works. Uh, What all of that ends up meaning, he starts here in chapter 8, he tells us there's no condemnation uh, to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's telling uh, those who know Christ as Lord and Savior, you're no longer condemned. Uh, God does not condemn us. Uh, Man cannot condemn us. Uh, The enemy uh, of our souls cannot condemn us uh, because Jesus Christ paid the price. And if we're in Christ, then we are saved and we are no longer guilty before God. And we no longer uh, have to suffer the consequences of our sin, which, according to the word of God, is death. Because Jesus Christ paid that price for us. And uh, Paul uh, ended last week with talking about uh, being made sons and daughters of God. That, uh, you know, uh, he talked a lot about slaves uh, earlier in the book of Romans and how we're to present ourselves to be slaves uh, to righteousness and not slaves to sin. That we've been bought with a price, right? Uh, that uh, Jesus paid the ultimate price for us uh, and that we belong to him now. But what's awesome about God is uh, we don't just belong to him, but that he uh, adopts us and he makes us his children. Uh, And uh, Paul said that we can call him daddy, right? Uh, That we can call him father. That now that we uh, not only uh, belong to him, but we have a seat at the table. Uh, as a son and we uh, as a daughter and we also can share in the inheritance uh, of that uh, is Christ uh, that we also get to share in that inheritance that it's eternal life uh, that is promised because Jesus Christ rose from the dead we too shall be risen these bodies uh, risen and glorified because of Christ's resurrection and as we look now at verse uh, 18 The Apostle Paul is going to continue to talk about uh, the uh, results of being justified by faith. Uh, So here in verse 18, he starts out by saying, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Uh, What Paul is saying here is that uh, no matter what you and I are facing in this world today, uh, persecution, pain, sickness, circumstances, suffering, poverty, whatever the case may be, whatever our suffering is, it cannot compare to what Christ has in store for us, for what God has in store for us, which is what? A brand new body and eternal life. 
That's what this is looking forward to, is a glorified body uh, in heaven where we'll have no more pain, no more tears, no more sickness, no more death, no more persecution. Everything will be perfect. So Paul is saying, uh, he's building on what he said earlier about, you know, uh, trials producing uh, hope and character, right, uh, and, and perseverance. He's saying, listen, you may suffer now, you may hurt now, things in this world uh, and the flesh may not be going so well for you by the world's standards, but here's the thing, the thing that should motivate you and keep you and I driving forward and moving forward and running this race is at the finish line, there's waiting for us to give that you and I cannot possibly imagine. I don't know about you, but I have lived my life uh, with pain and hurt and loss and depression and anxiety and suffering. Things haven't always been puppies and rainbows and butterflies. There's been things that have happened in my life and are happening today with health and stuff, right? That would be considered suffering. But here's the thing. When I reach the finish line, all of that is wiped away. The Bible says every tear will be wiped from your eyes and from my eyes that will never hurt again. That's what running the race is what makes it worth it. Amen. Is that even though we may suffer here on this earth, that when you and I cross that finish line, that we're going to be given a victory wreath, a crown, and God's going to say, you know, welcome, my good and faithful servant. Amen. And that's what makes it all worth it, being justified by faith. That's what we need to remember in this world is that everything that we have is not in the flesh in this world today. Amen. That's why Jesus said, don't lay up your treasures on this earth, right? Don't store them up here. Uh, money, houses, cars, uh, prestige, you can't take it with you. Amen. But lay up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, right? Uh, because this, this earth is just uh, temporary. But God has a permanent home for you and I. And so we need to keep that always in the forefront of our minds. That we're not running for now, we're running for later. Right. right? We're running for that ultimate finish line. Uh, he says in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The word here translated creation, it includes everything except for human beings. So when Paul uses the word creation here, he's talking about the earth, the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, the whole universe, all of creation, the entire universe, except for people. He's going to make a distinguish between mankind, humans, his special creation that he breathed life into, and the rest of creation. So he's saying here, that the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Uh, creation in and of itself, as Paul describes it here, is longing for the transformation from the curse and its effects. When Adam and Eve sinned, it not only uh, brought death to humans, spiritual death, and then ultimately physical death, uh, but it also brought corruption to this world. Sickness, disease. Those things did not exist before Adam and Eve fell. Amen. There was no cancer, right? There, there was no flu. There was no AIDS. 
There were none of those horrific uh, diseases that are out and about today that affect people. Uh, those things did not exist. Those are a result of the fall. Amen. Right? Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the climate on the earth was different than it is today. Uh, the Bible says that when Noah built the ark, they didn't even know what rain was. Why? Because water came up out of the ground and watered the earth. It never rained. So when, when, Moses, or when Noah went around and said that it was uh, water was going to fall from the sky, they had no idea what he was talking about. It was a completely different climate. It was a different everything, right? Uh, and then over time, the world has changed through the, through the curse and through the sin of man. Right and through uh, man's uh, just this, not being what God intended it to be, and which is why we're in the mess that we are in today, Amen. because it is slowly decaying and being corrupted. What God put in place to be self-sustaining forever was corrupted because of the sin in Adam and Eve. And for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So the world was subjected to futility. What does futility mean? It means striving to get something, but never reaching the goal. It means striving to reach a goal, but never getting there. Uh, the creation, the way that God created this world and the universe will never be what it was supposed to be because of the sin of Adam and Eve, because of their failure, uh, the, the world cannot be everything. It will never accomplish the purpose that God originally intended because of the sin of Adam and Eve. So it was subjected to futility. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. And so creation itself someday will be delivered from this curse. Uh, the Bible says that uh, God is going to wipe out everything that you and I see, and he's going to build a new heaven and a new earth that will be perfect, that will be everything that uh, the, uh, the garden was and more. Uh, and that uh, that is where you and I, who know Christ as Lord and Savior, that's where we're going to dwell uh, for all eternity. So God is going to create something brand new uh, for you and I. He's going to burn everything with fire. So everything that you and I see and know today will be burned and destroyed uh, because God's going to start from scratch and create a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. It says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. This is a figurative, figurative expression to demonstrate the burden that sin has been on the whole of creation. The destruction that sin has brought to the world. That even creation itself is wanting to be delivered. Right? That even... The world, nature, wants to be delivered. That's how corrupted we are because of sin, the way that creation was impacted by sin. Verse 23. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The word grown here 
It denotes a very earnest and important desire, the soul pain with, uh, with the delay, meaning that it is a soul that is so longing for something that it hurts, right? Uh, kids, uh, when you were a kid and you were anticipating Christmas, do you remember that week up to Christmas, how excited you would get? eagerly awaiting. I know my brother and I, we would stay up Christmas Eve and really not sleep at all, waiting for Christmas morning to get here. And we'd wake my poor mom and dad up at four in the morning, when four or 4.30 in the morning, when we thought it was finally safe to go in there and make them wake up, right? And, and get them to, to get up because of that eager expectation, that excitement, right? You and I should eagerly be looking forward to when God is going to uh, set everything right, that he's going to deliver us and remove this, you know, replace this sinful flesh that we talked about in chapter 7 and how it, you know, still has, uh, can, has sway over us and we're tempted to sin. He's going to replace this sinful flesh and this failing body with a perfect glorified body that'll never be tempted to sin again, that'll never right, uh, hurt or, or have pain or, or uh, cry, all of those things, we will be delivered. And so we should be longing for those things. Now I'll tell you that when I was young, when I was a teenager, a young adult, I was not looking forward to that because I had goals, right? You, you young people have goals. You want to get married or you want to have kids. You want to have a house. You want to do this. You want to do that, right? I have all those things and I have goals today. But I will tell you, I would trade all those goals right now to have a glorified body and be off of this earth. Amen. So the older you get, I will tell you, the more you'll crave to be rid of all of the worry and the fear and the doubt and the discouragement and the anxiety. You'll be ready to be rid of all the pain, right? Uh, I'm only 45, but I will tell you that I have pain every day of my life and my neck. Right? I had pain in my body uh, where I, I broke my neck. I'm ready to be rid of it. Yeah. Right? Uh, I know there are those of you that are much older than me, maybe, uh, that uh, are hurting and in pain every day of your life. Right? And, and you want, I, don't, I don't know about you, but no one enjoys being in pain every day of their life. Uh, or dealing with circumstances. So as you get older, you kind of look forward to that time. When you don't have the hurt and the suffering, right, and, and the pain. Uh, of course, when you're younger, uh, you got you got plans and things, and that's that's understandable. But you'll know you'll you'll recognize as you get older uh, that you're you'll be looking more and more for the return of Christ Amen. to get out of this mess that we're in now. Yep. Because man, is it a mess? It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse uh, as sin continues to dominate our world. Yeah. and dominate God's creation and mankind. All right, let's look at verse 24. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Uh, so you and I are saved in what hope? The hope that this isn't all there is. Yeah. The hope that there's more, the hope that we're going to have eternal life, that we're going to be glorified, and we're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ, our Savior, and God, right? That we're going to, that there's more to life and more to, the, to this and our purpose than what we see with our eyes. Mm -hmm. 
right? And, 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 and all of us, even the most, what we would consider the most successful, wealthy person in this world, is not truly fulfilled within the world. Amen. That's why you've got incredibly rich people taking their lives, people that we would be jealous of, people that we would uh, look for, you know, look up to, that we want to be. We want to be the million-dollar athlete. We want to be this. We want to be that. Uh, they have times that they're miserable. They can't get fulfilled. They don't get enough money. They don't get enough stuff. They're not getting fulfilled, and so they seek uh, their fulfillment in other things. Man. Right? Uh, Tom Brady uh, is a perfect example of a man who... Uh, has everything. He's good looking, supermodel wife, kids, right? Great at this sport, football, all of these things, right? That the world might look at and say, wow, he's got it all. Mm -hmm. Yet he was unfulfilled and he can't retire from football because it brings some sense of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in such, he's ruined his marriage mm -hmm. and his family. Mm -hmm. A man that we look at and think has it all. He still isn't fulfilled. God gave him money, family, anything he can possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Talent that we can only dream of. Mm -hmm. And yet, he's still not fulfilled. Right? Not, can't find fulfillment. And that is prevalent all over society. Amen. No matter how rich you are. And so, we have a hope that this isn't all there is. Right. Mm -hmm. From the richest person to the poorest person. We have a hope that there's more to life than this if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, right? And that hope is that someday we're going to be in his presence in a glorified body, never having to deal with the mess that's here now, that's destroyed, that's uh, decaying. Uh, and he, Paul says that this, he's basically talking about faith in and of itself, which is this. You don't hope in something that you can see. You hope in what you can't see. Mm -hmm. Now remember, the New Testament word for hope, the Greek word that's translated hope at its root, has no uncertainty in it. Right? So when Paul uses the word hope here in the book of Romans, he's not talking about wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I hope I win a million dollars. What he's talking about here is guaranteed. And so Paul is saying, we hope in what we cannot see, trusting God that he'll deliver what only God can do and what God promised he would do. But that hope is guaranteed. So basically, uh, the check's already been written, and there's a cash in the account. You're going to be able to deposit it. It ain't going to bounce, right? Uh, it's going to go through. When it, when it comes time, you and I will spend eternity with Christ. And uh, we have that hope, that promise in that. Uh, and, and we shouldn't be upset that we can't see it. We shouldn't be upset that we can't touch it. We shouldn't be upset that we can't feel it. We shouldn't be upset that it's not some emotion of just uh, eternal, you know, happiness all the time. Uh, because hope, if, if, if it was something we could see, touch, feel, it wouldn't be hope. Right. And that's what faith is, right? Faith is believing that God is who he says he is. And that God said, does what he says he's going to do. Amen. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. We can't see it. 
But that hope, that faith in God, we know it's real because of who he is. Not because of who we are, not because of uh, whatever we can muster in the side of us to believe, but it's based in who he is. That's why the faith the, uh, the Jesus the, the, of a mustard seed, that tiny, tiny little seed can move mountains. Because it's not on you and me. Right. It's based on him. Yeah, that faith rests on his shoulders, that he's going to deliver mm -hmm. what he promised he would deliver. Amen. All right. Let's see. Let's continue here. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We're going on now with the theme. Another benefit, right? So not only uh, is our hope and the glory that is to come, right? But also the Holy Spirit now indwells inside of us. And uh, we're going on, you know, if you're suffering, if you're hurting, you haven't got to the place where you were in so much pain, you didn't even know what to say to God. You were hurting so bad, had so many questions, you didn't even know how to pray. You didn't even know what to say. I've been there a time or two where all I could do was lay on my face before God and cry. Right? I didn't know what to say. I just knew to cry. I didn't know uh, what to do. I didn't know how to beseech God. I didn't know how to petition God. Because the hurt and the pain and just... The, the, the overcome with grief or emotion or maybe it was anger or whatever it was. But here's the great thing. The Holy Spirit is given to us. He dwells inside of us. He takes up residence. And the Holy Spirit knows your thoughts. Yeah. And guess what? God the Father knows the heart of the Spirit. And so, therefore, the Holy Spirit is in a unique position to intercede on our behalf with the Father. Yeah. Because he knows your thoughts, and he knows God's will yeah. for your life. Amen. Because the Spirit and the Father are in tune, just like Jesus and the Father were in tune. Yes. And so the Spirit knows how to pray when you don't know how to pray. Praise the Lord. Right? Now, uh, us Pentecostals get caught up in the whole groaning thing and all that. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about, the most important part, is that the Holy Spirit prays for you. Yeah. He goes before the Father and he intercedes on your behalf when you don't know what to say, when you don't know how to say it, when you and I don't know what to ask for. Amen. Right? He knows your heart, your mind, and the God and Him are in tune. The Father and the Spirit are in tune. And so He is in a unique position to intercede for you on your behalf when you can't pray for yourself. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's a huge promise. You can't appreciate that promise until you've been in that position where you just don't know what to say. You're hurting so bad. You're so confused. You have so many questions. Until you've been there, it's hard to understand how awesome it is that the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf. The Holy Spirit, and this is just amazing how God put it all together, right? The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, and Jesus Christ acts as our mediator between us and God. 
So it's just the, the way that it works out within the Trinity, right? And the purpose and, and the, the plan that God had that we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, each serving a function in the Trinity on our behalf. And so the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and he, he intercedes and knows what to say. And he also, the other great thing about the Spirit is he knows God's will when you don't always know God's will. Mm -hmm. He knows the Father's will when you and I don't know, always know the Father's will. So he can intercede on us, on our, our behalf according to the Father's will, mm -hmm. not according to what our will is. Amen. And that's that's awesome, awesome thing, which is difficult to understand if you have not been there where you just didn't know what to pray, what to ask for, or what to do. Now he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, meaning the Father, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, that is a, uh, a, a famous verse, right? Uh, I'm sure that many of you, if you've been in uh, church any amount of time, uh, you have most definitely uh, probably memorized that, if you, uh, or at a minimum, you've heard it preached on a time or two. It's a, a verse that we love to claim. So here's the third thing. So one... Uh, because of justification uh, by faith in God alone, uh, we are uh, are condemned. We're now children of God, right? Today, uh, we we uh, we know um, that we have hope despite our sufferings, right? And then what we just talked about, the Holy Spirit on side of us who intercedes on our behalf, and now we can trust in God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. The word good there says and lets us know that God orchestrates every event in our life, even suffering, even trials. They have to pass through the sovereignty of God before you and I experience them. Right? It's hard for some of us to accept that we would go through pain or suffering or trials. But here's the thing, and it should give us at least some peace to know that the devil can't do anything to you that does not first pass through God's filter of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we also know because of Romans that everything that happens to us, God has a plan for. Amen. Right? To produce that perseverance and that character and that hope and faith in God. Right? Our pain has purpose. Mm -hmm. When God allows you and I to suffer, when he allows pain when he allows tribulations and trials and hurt to come into our lives, it's got a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. And that should give us comfort that we know that God is sovereign and in full control at all times. So no matter what political party you belong to, or no matter what your relationship status is, no matter what is happening in the country, our God is sovereign. Amen. No matter what is breaking in your life, your God is sovereign. And your God has your best interests at heart. And I don't know about you, but I have spent a great deal of my life struggling with God having my best interests at heart. Believing that God really wanted the best for me. But it came down to my understanding of what God's best meant. Mm -hmm. 
See, I had in my idea of what, what I think God's best meant, and God has what's really the idea of what his best means. And his best is what? That we would be made in the image of his son. Amen. Amen. Right? And that's why suffering and persecution and pain and hurt and trials come into our lives. Amen. And so that it'll further make us into the image of his son. Amen. That's, that's what it's all about. And so uh, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, meaning according to God's sovereign, perfect purpose, God has his hands on your life, and you can know that he's in full control, and he will not destroy you, right? Mm -hmm. Because he is sovereign and in control. All right? And so, uh, but that only applies to those who know Christ as Lord and Savior. If you and I do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, that promise doesn't mean anything. We can repeat it, quote it, try to say we believe it, but the fact of God of working every situation out for our good and according to his purpose is, per, is rooted in our relationship with Christ. We have to be the called. Those who know Christ as Lord and as Savior. His children. Right? Belonging to him. Does that make sense? Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, there are two prevailing views on these verses. The first view is that God chooses whom to save and whom not to save. Right? So that God makes a decision before you and I were ever born that he is going to save you or he's going to allow you to be destroyed. All right? That's Calvinism. That's uh, the uh, you know, belief that God predestined us to either be saved or to not be saved. He, he chose you and your free will had nothing to do with it. The other view is Arminianism, which means... That you and I, uh, that we have a choice. We have free will. So that in the context of this scripture, it's not whom God chose to be saved. It's whom God foreknew would choose him. And those he knew would choose him, those are the ones that he chose that he called. Now I'm going to tell you, uh, I struggle with that. Uh, Billy and I have had many of the late night conversations about God's sovereignty versus man's free will. All right? Uh, so if I were to stand up here before you and tell you that I had all the answers and knew everything, I would be lying to you. Uh, because I don't know everything there is to know. I have studied Scripture for a very long time. So all I'm going to do is tell you what I believe 
and then what the other beliefs are, and then you guys go study, pray, seek God, and decide on what you believe yourself, okay? So the first belief, which has been prevalent for generations, is that God chooses whom to save and whom to allow to continue on the path to destruction. The belief that I hold to is Arminianism, that God works within man's free will to, uh, uh, for us as it relates to salvation, so that he foreknew who was going to choose him, and the person that he knew he was going to choose he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That word uh, predestined, if you look closely at the context of this particular sentence, it means a predetermined plan or purpose. What he's saying here is that God predetermined that those who were going to be saved would be made in the image of his son. That word predestination is talking about a purpose for all those who are going to be saved. It is not talking about predestining people to be saved. It's predestining a purpose for people that are be saved. Whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminius, that's how that verse reads. Predestining a purpose for those who are going to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So, in our belief, whom God foreknew was going to choose him. He predestined all those who would be saved to be made in the image of his son. Okay? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, those who God predetermined the purpose of being made in the image of his son, those he called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So, right? So here we have the salvation. God knew in advance who was going to choose him, right? Through that faith, right? He then called them. He, he predestined it to be made in the image of his son, conformed the image of his son. He then called them, okay? And then when he called you and I and we confess him as Lord and Savior, he justifies us. And then because we've been justified, then he also glorifies us. Now here's the thing. Whether God predetermined that you're going to be saved and others are going to allow them to go to destruction, or whether you believe that God works according to your free will, the bottom line is we're saved. Right? Uh, we're a Christian. We know Christ is Lord and Savior. Uh, too many people get hung up on that, right? Uh, that, 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 because um, and we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the part that God called us, uh, and, and he, he, uh, he, the Holy Spirit drawed us, whether it's because he foreknew that we would choose him, or whether he chose us without any input on our own. He predestines to be made in the image of his son, and one day we're going to be glorified. Okay? Uh, there are some people that get so hung up on that uh, foreknew and predestination and Calvinism versus Arminianism that they cannot even associate with people that disagree with them. 
Uh, to me, that's not a, a, a point that is going to send someone to hell, whether they believe that God foreknew uh, uh, to choose you or, or God uh, acts within your free will. That's not a, one of those things that we ought to divide churches over or not fellowship with other people over. Um, but uh, that's my view on that passage of Scripture, uh, those verses. The key thing being is, is that God called you, and he justified you, and you will one day be glorified. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.